Hey everyone, how's it going? Hello. This is Badass Woman in History. I'm Karis. I'm Kaylee, and, and we're happy to have you back. Yay! Thank you for coming back. It's episode six. Yes. Which means we've been doing this for over 12 weeks. Whoa! Which means we're through the first trimester of this podcast pregnancy. This <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I have to throw them. Um... So yeah, so before we get started, I just want to let you know that this episode, let you guys know that this episode uh, is brought to you by our sponsor, Andy. So um, Andy is a local esthetician, 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 wow, (laughs) she's local to Duluth, um, Minnesota, and she provides vegan, non-toxic, cruelty-free, all-natural beauty services such as waxing, eyelash extensions, and brow tinting. Andy takes clients by appointment only and can be reached at 218-461-7792. In addition to those services, she has her own small business called Mindful Practice. With Mindful Practice, Andy researches new green beauty products, helps other companies build their internet presence, and does collaborations and trades to reach her goal of bringing awareness to the beauty world. Through Mindful Practice, Andy partners and collaborates with another green beauty specialist and esthetician named Andrea. Andrea owns the Organic Escape Skin Studio in Carlsbad, California. Together, these women have come up with an online green beauty store and blog where they're constantly researching and trying new brands to have their best possible ingredient list on their cyber shelves. Shop their online store and read more about the best ways to practice green beauty at theorganicescape.com. Now, uh, because she's sponsoring Badass Women in History, if you actually... Uh, decide that you really want to book an appointment with Andy, um, you can actually book an appointment and mention uh, this podcast, Badass Women in History. Maybe tell them uh, some badass woman that you liked learning about uh, on this podcast, and you'll actually get 10% off your first service, which is awesome and really, really cool. And we love her. We're really excited to be collaborating with her. And as well, if you go to theorganicescape.com and make any kind of purchase, if you enter the code MINDFUL at checkout, you'll get a free deluxe uh, skincare sample, which is super, super cool, too. The Organic Escape rocks. Karis and I have been rocking some new products from them. And my skin has never been happier, so. I feel very uh, healthy not putting a bunch of chemicals on my skin. Yeah. I have very bad um, acne scars from high school, and... It feels good not putting a bunch of garbage on it. (laughs) And then I actually was able to get uh, some eyelash extensions from Andy, which I'm loving. Yeah, you look Um, fly as fuck. So, thank you, Kaylee. Kaylee, describe my eyelashes. (laughs) For the listeners. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) Like, almost touching your eyebrows, but not in an obnoxious way. Like in a... Like a... Ooh. Who is she type oh of God. way? So you can also follow Andy on her social medias. Her Instagram is Andy in the Sky with two Ys. And it's Andy with an I. Andy with an I, yes. And then her um, mindful practice email it, or uh, Instagram is mindful practice underscore on Instagram. So yeah, show her some love. All right. Are we Great. ready to get started? Yes, I'm just going to play us out or play us in, (laughs) and then we'll do our current events.
Alrighty, we'll start with our current events. This is, we have like two pretty big things to address I with think, this current event part. Yeah, I think it's part current event, part like educational moment. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with this podcast, like at least, I mean, we have very similar goals for it. Um, but one of my biggest things with this podcast, I mean, our podcast is educational, even though it's like fun and we love doing it. And, but like, okay, let's be real. We're two white girls, and a lot of the people who are listening to this are just going to be white girls, probably, maybe. A lot of people like us, at least in terms of, like, race and gender identity and or sexual orientation, not to, like, alienate people who aren't, but... What I'm going with this is um, we want to use that um, privilege that we have to be educational. And hopefully you knew that already going into episode six, that that's what we really like to do with this podcast and use our platform for Mm -hmm. um, and try to amplify the voices of people of color, trans people, um, LGBT, all people that don't get their voices heard as much. Um, so for my current event, I'm going to dive into a deeper topic. But the but surface first, topic. The surface topic that's going <laughs> to go deeper is, um, so Hugh Hefner died this week. Goodness. And, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people applaud him for being a legend. Honestly, I found this uh, meme that somebody made that was uh, we we asked. It specifically says male feminist allies be like Playboy edition. We asked cisgendered activist men how they feel in the passing of Hugh Hefner, and so this is like specifically asking men who identify. Um, as feminists, how they feel about (laughs) the passing of Hugh Hefner. And this goes deeper than just, like, men. A lot of people who identify as feminists but don't (laughs) actually practice uh, what they preach as much um, say things like, so, like, one is, Yes, I'm a committed feminist ally, but man, I spent so many of my formative years objectifying women and jerking off to Playboy magazine that I will always have a special place in my heart for Hugh Hefner pouring out for a drink for you, Huff. Or, sure, oh. Hugh Hefner profited off the bodies of women and essentially made rape culture more mainstream and even cool, but the man was also a sexual revolutionary, and in the end, aren't we all about liberation? Hey, Hugh Hefner used his magazine to give a platform to many male revolutionary thinkers. Sure, it was a platform made up entirely of women's bodies, but it was a platform nonetheless. And I'm a revolutionary who believes that we should affirm and celebrate all bodies and ways to love. But Hefner is a man who molded my rigid cisgender heterosexuality and irrational attraction to constructed hyperfemininity. 
how can I hate him for that? And that really hits the nail on the head of, like, what I have written up. So I just found this a couple minutes ago, and it's awesome. It was just posted on Facebook. And so it really says exactly what I was trying to go um, with. So a lot of people really applaud him for being a legend, and they say that he had a direct influence on really sexually liberating America, like in the 60s and 70s. But was it in a positive way? Um, I'm not really here to go super, super deep into that. Um, But you can find a bunch of articles about the conditions that women experienced while they were living in the Playboy Mansion or working for Hugh Hefner. Um, Gloria Steinem actually, like, went undercover in the Playboy Mansion, and she found out, like, about all, like, the crazy outfits that would, like, hurt the um, women when they would have to like do shoots and stuff like super tight and um, a lot of them have dealt with like mental illness and like addiction going through the mansion Um, women who really lived in the Playboy Mansion were treated like they were disposable and regardless of how um, much Hugh Hefner liberated uh, uh, I want to say liberated, like, men. Okay. Men's sexuality. And they, like, Mm, made... Did that need liberation? (laughs) Like, but you know what I mean? Like, back in the 60s, like, things were very conservative. Like, usually, like, married couples on TV weren't even in, like, the same bed together. Yeah. And so, like, Hugh Hefner, like, kind of... He's framed as a sexual revolutionary... But he, like, mainstreamed objectification. Yeah. Um, so he... I didn't really think I was going to go deep into arguing about how big of a piece of shit Hugh Hefner is, because this is just, like, the surface of what I'm trying to get into, but... Um, so many people say Hugh Hefner revolutionized sex in America, all while ignoring the ways that he actually treated the women... Um, and then the people all of the same breath will, like, shame the women. Yeah. Um, I use the death of Hugh Hefner to lead into my topic of discussion for the first part of the podcast, Swerfs, uh, sex worker, exclusionary radical feminists, people who believe that sex work is objectifying, not valid work. That people who work in the industry are brainwashed and or have no self-respect. Or are lesser women. Or lesser women. Um, When I say people who believe that, it's feminists. Like, people who are already saying, like, they're feminists. Um, This really came to light during the second wave of feminism. So around the same time that Hugh Hefner was really starting his, like, empire, the 60s and 70s. Um, the view on sex work and porn and sex positivity really, like, divided the feminist community in that period of time. Um, and that's kind of what led into the third wave Mm -hmm. and kind of divided them between, like, the anti, like, sex positive feminists and then, like, sex positive intersectional, like, third wave stuff. Um, in every, like, wave of feminism, there's always different views. 
on sex and sex work, but intersectionality kind of, uh, you know, plays a part in acknowledging that it's valid, which is good. There are still some swerfs out there. A lot of them are older feminists, obviously, yeah. because it's from the second wave. Um, but it's a lot less common in an obvious way, but you can still pick up on it sometimes. Yeah. Um, when, like, people don't think it's a valid form of making money, supporting themselves, supporting their family, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, sex work, uh, being a... Doing, like, uh, all the things. Yeah. Uh... Posing for pictures, cam girl stuff, cam, like, all sorts of cam stuff, porn, all sorts of stuff, being a stripper, um, just, like, being a sex worker, you know, people don't realize, like, the work and the skill Mm -hmm. that goes into that, um, you can pick up on a lot of that when you're, like, in college and people are stressed about exams, Mm -hmm. and they're, like... I'll just be a... I'm just going to drop out and just hit the pole right now. Yeah. Because that's how it happens. Because you can just walk. Like... (laughs) Yeah. You just walk in and be fine. It's no skill. You just, like, get naked and hit the pole and you make thousands of dollars every night. Nope. Newsflash. That's not what happens. You need to buy your clothes and learn how to dance well and... Physically exhausting. Yeah, physically exhausting. Mentally exhausting. Like, you need to be in top shape for that. People don't realize how valid um, different uh, jobs in the field of sex work are um, and how much skill they require. Um, And I really have a good conclusion to this segment, and I went a lot longer than I thought I was going to, but... Well, I'll uh, piggyback off of you... With mine, then, okay. if you want. Yeah, because I don't really have a good um, conclusion other than the fact that I encourage everybody who's listening right now to really examine their preconceived notions of the uh, validity of sex work, sex positivity, porn, and actual sex liberation, not just a Playboy-based definition that centers around men and that. I feel like I... Probably didn't say things as concise in that segment as I wanted to and as educational in that segment as I wanted to. So, if you catch something that I said or I misspoke, please hit me up because I feel like it's just such a tough topic and I just kind of jumbled over my words a little bit. So, whoops. But yes, sex work is valid work. That's the take-home message. So, going off of SWERFs, we also have TERFs, um, which is trans-exclusionary radical feminists. And that's going to be people who um, identify as a feminist, but think that being a feminist means you're fighting for equality only for visible sisters 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 people who yes people who identify as cisgendered Mm -hmm. females who often fit what you think a woman should be Mm -hmm. and act and look like um so 
with that, that's very obviously very exclusionary. Um, one person that a lot of people have a problem with um, with this, um, you know, what am I looking for? A subset of yeah, a subset is going to be Lacey Green, and so mm-hmm. she's a YouTuber, and she's made a living uh, as a YouTuber as um, a quote-unquote sex education vlogger. Um, and she is really, she's become very problematic because she, I feel like it's just like exponentially lately. Yeah, a, a very, very lately. So she recently uploaded a two-part video series called How Many Freaking Genders, which is um, just starting out real strong. Um she criticizes transgender activists arguing that science on trans biology is misogynistic pseudoscience and that trans people are ultimately censoring the vagina monologues. Um, she claims that other people um, are trying to force uh, people to sleep with trans women. Um, she references something that was a joke taken from uh, another um, trans woman's Twitter account that she's literally trying to defend herself and doing it in a joking manner and um, she takes it totally out of context Um, and she in in at least most of the videos that I've seen of her because I think we've both seen a number of her videos at this point she you, you really can't claim to be a feminist sex educator and put your videos out there and exclude a whole group of people yeah your feminism your concept of feminism is not meaningful Mm -hmm. if you exclude trans people and sex workers yeah like no not not valid if it's not intersectional and you don't recognize the different struggles that people of different sexual orientations and gender identities and races um, go through, your concept of feminism doesn't mean shit if it's just for white cis girls. So, yeah. um, It's it's pretty simple. Don't don't be a TERFs or a SWERF. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We could have just said that, like, current events education section. Don't be a a piece of shit. (laughs) All right. Well, that was a little. Um, that was really serious. That, that was, was really serious, serious than we uh, usually go. Please with. stick with us. Please stick with us. Yeah, this is a my badass woman is kind of a heavy too. Mine's very light. So okay, that's cool. Good. So we'll balance it out a little bit, and we'll hang out and chat for a hot minute after just to amazing diffuse. Everybody's favorite part, Kaylee and Karis talking about nothing relevant. (laughs) All right, so we're going to play a little bit of music, and we'll be right back with a much lighter segment. Yes, awesome. Can't wait. Okay. And we're back. Do we want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm very excited to hear about yours. This this is another one that we actually might have in common. Like, Ooh. I don't think this is what who somebody would have chose 
for a while. Okay. But... Might have been somewhere down the line. Yeah, but it is kind of, like, on more your your brand. My, my <laughs> brand. <laughs> so, my badass swim in this week is Mindy Kaling. <laughs> I am running in place right now. Oh, my goodness. For so, all of you listeners. <laughs> so, I... Love Mindy Kaling. I she's had two books out. I've read the first one. I have not gotten a chance to read the second one. Uh, but her first one is called "Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me mm-hmm. and Other Concerns," uh, which I heavily identify with that title. Um, and a lot of people know her from The Office. That's like her big yes. mainstream thing that started obviously in the early to mid two thousands. Um, and that was like I think Kelly the, Kelly Kelly Kapoor, and that was like the thing that she. That really, like, thrust her into the spotlight and really, um, yeah. So, um, she, she, a lot of people don't know if she was a performer on the show, but she was actually one of the head writers on the show as well, which is um, awesome and a really, like, time, like, a huge time and effort commitment as well to be to write in behind and in front of the camera, yeah. It pretty much means you don't have a break because writing season is totally different from mm-hmm. filming season. Anyway, so she was born Vera, okay, I can't pronounce her last name, Vera Mindy, and I think it's Chokalingham, something like that. Um, I'm very sorry. It's C-H-O-K-A-L-I-N-G-A-M. But her professional name has always been Mindy Kaling, and she's actually always been called Mindy by her parents, too, because she was born in America, so they were um, born right before they moved to America, so... They just always called her Mindy because they were going with the theme of America. Um, And she was born June 24th, 1979. Uh, Growing up, she really loved comedy, and that was a way that she bonded with one of her good friends, childhood friends growing up. She watched a lot of Saturday Night Live, and they would do impersonations of their favorite sketches and characters. Uh, And she attended Dartmouth College, and she was super super heavily involved there. Uh, She actually graduated with a bachelor's in playwriting, um, but she focused a lot on the classics and studied Latin as well. So she had, like, a huge range of... Wow. Yeah. A uh, huge range of um, education. Um, uh, she was a member of the improvisational comedy troupe The Dog Day Players and then an acapella group, acapella group called The Rockapellas. Uh, and then she was a creator of the comedy strip Badly Drawn Girl in the Dirt Myth, which was their newspaper. And she was a writer for Dartmouth Jack-O-Lantern, which was their humor magazine. And when she was 19, she was an intern on the Late Night Conan o- on the Late Night with Conan O'Brien show. Um, but she says in her book that she was a terrible intern. She was less of a make copies intern and more of a stock Conan intern. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So she, I think, if I remember from her book, she did not. That internship didn't do too much for her, other than giving her a little bit of experience. They don't, I don't think she really made any connections because they were just like, um, you suck. what you doing there? So after she graduated, she moved to Brooklyn, uh, New York City, and she had a multitude of jobs. She was actually a production assistant for a show called Crossing Over with John Edward which was a psychic show, and she hated that. that. (laughs) Uh, So she was only there for three three months. And then uh, during that time, of course, she was, like, really hustling. So especially when you go to New York and you're trying to pursue especially comedy because that's such a broad spectrum of things. So she was doing day jobs. She was doing stand-up. She was putting together her own shows, stuff like that. 
she uh, had a show called Matt and Ben, um, and she did that with her friend Brenda Withers uh, from Dartmouth, and that got a lot of attention. She uh, played Ben Affleck in it. Oh, it's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. <laughs> Amazing. They wrote and created the show together, and they played it in a lot of theaters in the city. I think if I remember from her book, they started at really small theaters, and then they kept extending it, and then I think they got into a little bit larger. And when I say larger, it was like not in the basement of somebody's house in New York. Like, you know, that's how kind of how things in the city work, uh, I had heard. Um, and no, we know We know. <laughs> in New York right now. Uh, so um, they, it ended up being named Time Magazine's top 10 theatrical events of the year and was a, quote, surprise hit at the 2002 New York International Fringe Festival. Oh, Fringe? Yeah. Um, it was a big deal. Like, that was, like, really what threw her into, like, the comedy world, was everybody knew her from the sh- show that she did. A f- Fringe Festival is crazy. I've been learning a lot about it, listening to Erin McGathy on This Feels Terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, initially, Withers and Kayleen had, for their own entertainment, mockingly pretended to be best to be the best friends Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, uh, that pretended spawned Matt and Ben, the goofy play that reimagined how Damon and Affleck came to write the movie Goodwill Hunting. So that sounds like it could be a good time. And I'm pretty sure you can buy the script for it now, too. It's like a published script. Uh, so Matt and Ben was a huge success, but that doesn't come without a lot of flops as well. I know she had a lot of stories in her first book about really putting herself out there with comedy acts um, that totally flopped with audiences and going home and feeling like shit. Um, but instead of you know, being like, fuck it, whatever. She obviously kept going. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. So in 2004, Greg Daniels hired her as a writer-performer for The Office as they were starting it up. She was only 24 years old, and the writing staff was only eight people, including herself. Um, she wrote the episode Niagara, which she was co-nominated for an Emmy for. Niagara, that's where Jim Cameron you She also based her character, Kelly, as a very exaggerated version of who people think she is. Really? Yeah. Which I can totally see, like, in reading her book and, like, knowing her as well. Yeah. Not knowing her, but, you know, knowing, seeing interviews with her and stuff like that. Um, she um, also directed The Office webisodes, The Third Floor, which I've never heard of. Um, oh, I have no idea so what I need that to, is. I'll yeah, I need to look those up. And then she directed the season six episode titled Body Language. Um which her, was her television directorial debut. Her contract was supposed to expire at the end of season seven, um, which is why she, um, I think she continued writing for the show. Um, yeah, so she continued writing for the show um, throughout the end of it, but she stopped performing on it. And I remember them writing her character out, and I think she wanted to focus more on finishing up the show at that point. Probably. Um so uh, she, on September 15th, 2011, she signed a contract to stay with the show for season eight, and then she was promoted to full executive producer. Mm-hmm. And in her contract for that, she um, had a deal where she was able to start a new project, which was the Mindy Project. Um, so she was an actress for that and a, a writer for that as well. I mean, she was the main character. She was, she, yeah, like it, it's literally the, the Mindy, Mindy Project. project. So, um, so. But back to the office, she was nominated five consecutive times with uh, her fellow writers and producers for the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Comedy Series. I'm sure everybody listening to this has seen at least one episode of The Office. It's my favorite show. It's amazing. Um, 
In 2010, she re- uh, yeah. In 2010, she got the nomination for outstanding writing in a comedy series uh, for Niagara. Um, in 2012 was when she pitched her single camera comedy Mindy Project, which Kayleen uh, wrote and produced, and it began uh, airing in 2012. Uh, and she is often described as a pioneer because she, if you don't know who she is, I don't know how. Uh, she's an Indian American woman on television, and she is kicking ass all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the mini project was canceled by Fox in May 2015, but like liter- less than a week later, who picked it up for a 26 episode fourth season and then a 16 episode fifth season. So they like not only got to like finish their storyline, they got like what almost almost 50 episodes only. What's math? Hmm. 32. 6. 42? 42 episodes more. 26 plus 16. 26 plus 16? Yeah, 42. Awesome. Um, uh, and then in March 2017, she announced that the sixth season would be airing September 2017, uh, which is this season. So it uh, this is going to be the last season. Um. Fuck the last season of the mini project and Portlandia Ugh. this year. God. However, she has another project coming up. Yes. Um. So in twenty June twenty sixteen, it was confirmed that she would star alongside. Wait for it. Helena Bottom Carter. What? Sandra know. Bullock. Oh my Kate God. Blanchett and Rihanna in Ocean's Eight, the oh, all female version of Ocean's I Eleven. So <laughs> I hadn't heard about this yet. I'm so excited. <laughs> I would die for Rihanna. I would die for all of those women. <laughs> I would. Not to be too dramatic. Uh, I'm I not would. trying to be dramatic, but I'd die. Um, I would die for Mimi Kaling. Uh, it was also reported in this month, uh, sep- or no, last month. It's 2016. It's fine. Um, it was also reported in September 2016 that she'll play Mrs. Who in A Wrinkle in Time, uh, which is the live-action Disney adaptation of the novel, which I read all the Wrinkle in Time books when I was a kid. Yes, so she's going to be awesome in that. Um, and so altogether, the write, she led the writing of 21 episodes of The Office and directed two episodes. In June 2016... Wait, did I? Oh, nice. I wrote that twice. Um, in uh, 2013, uh, Entertainment Weekly identified Mindy as one of the 50 coolest and most creative entertainers in Hollywood. She was also recognized as Times one of 100 most influential people in the world. And she was also recently identified as one of the high, top highest paid actresses ever. And also right she's now. expecting her first child. And I'm very Stop it, that's my next her. sentence. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just so excited. I love babies. She also recently confirmed she's pregnant, but she hasn't released the name of the father. And so a lot of people think that she probably had a donor, which I also think it's really really cool because she's just taken charge of that shit because mm-hmm. she's not dating anybody right now so they a lot of people think that she's got a donor or anything like that and she's super super excited to be a mom she yeah. loves her mom and is super excited to be a mom and also one of the quotes that she had was she was really excited to have a kid because a lot of people say that you can't judge people's parenting until you're also a parent and she's like i can't wait to judge everybody <laughs> Which I love, and I love her, and she is such a badass woman, and she she's done really, really great things. Yeah, and she's still super young, so yeah, I'm insanely excited 
for what else she has to do. And I guess I didn't write it down, but she's also going to be, I think, an executive producer and writer on a new show about two liberal lesbians moving to a conservative town, hmm. which will be interesting, I think. That will be interesting. It's her and somebody else from Mindy Project, like one of her co-stars on Mindy Project are doing that. Yeah, I'll definitely have to keep updated with that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my Badass Woman of the Week. That's awesome. Yeah. I, she would have been one of mine down the line. I do, yeah, I figured. But you did a good job. Thank you. You're I, welcome. I, I think I thought of her a couple weeks ago and, like, wrote it in my phone. Because every time I remember, I think of somebody to do... You have to write it. I have to write it down because yeah, otherwise right. I will forget. And I've had... Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, Mindy Kaling. All right, your turn. Uh, my badass woman of the week is Maya Angelou. Um, ah! Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's actually also probably where we would have crossed. So Really? Wow, that's... We awesome. we switched brands this week. We, we did really <laughs> switch brands this week. Um, Maya Angelou, whew, where to start? Um, you know when you have to do icebreakers with a class and you get asked if you could have dinner with any person in the world, who would it be? Maya Angelou for me. Nice. Hands down. And before I even did the research for this episode, I had no idea how badass she was. I mean, I knew. Yeah. I knew of things. Yeah. I have her poetry books. Like, I, she's cool as fuck. But I didn't know the magnitude of the badassery. Um, she's done so much, and I'll try to do her some justice, but maybe I'll, if I, like, find something else out that's cool, I'll, like, say it again next week. Yeah. Or another time, because there's so much like if you listen to the first episode where i talk about marsha p johnson i have so much and so i think that's still our longest episode to date and because it, I just, and it wasn't because we were like this is how we're going to be doing things it was because kaylee was like this yeah, is my podcast like, this is, yeah was like, this person <laughs> did so much to break down everything um yeah <laughs> i probably might have to do another episode um, she was born Marguerite Annie Johnson on April 4th, 1928, and she died just three years ago on, on May 28th. But if you're ever on social media, like, sometimes, like, on the anniversary of her death or just, like, randomly, people start sharing shit about her, her dying. Like... What? Yeah. Like, they... So many times, like, I scroll on Facebook and somebody, like, shares something. They're like, R.I.P. Maya Angelou, and I'm like... It's been three years. Three years. Like, I would know. I was very upset when she died. (laughs) I would know. Thank you for reminding me. I always comment. I'm like, dude, if you actually read the article, you would see that it was published on May 28th. All you had to do was open the article. Yeah, it just goes to show that, like, people only read the header of an article. I love the Before sharing it. Anyways, um, she's done so, so much. She has been a journalist covering the decolonization of Africa. She, I don't know if you know this, I didn't really even know this that much. She actually worked with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Oh. She was a night... I might have known that. I don't know. I had no idea. She was a nightclub dancer, a performer, a sex worker, um, most known for her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. She specifies her childhood, race, identity, family... My two personal favorite poems are uh, Phenomenal Woman and um, Still I Rise. 
I just I have them like printed mm -hmm. and I keep them keep them close so I can read them so I can not hate life <laughs> that much. They're beautiful. I highly encourage you to read them, and I would read them on the podcast if I was 100% sure that I wouldn't get sued. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but Maya Angelou, okay, so I'm going to start with her childhood. There's a lot um, to the main point. So she um, mostly lived with her grandma. Um, and this, keep in mind, this was, like, during the Great Depression she was born, right? Mm -hmm. So her parents' marriage ended, and then their dad was sent, or their dad sent them to live mm -hmm. with their paternal grandmother. Um, and which is, it says that her grandmother, Annie Henderson, actually didn't suffer financially during the Great Depression because she owned a general store. And made good investments, so like they were they were okay during the Great Depression, um, but she, her dad came back and returned them to their mother four years later. So when she was eight, she was living with her mother, and she was sexually abused by her mom's boyfriend, and this impacted her writing just like her whole life because. So she told her brother, and then her brother told the rest of their family, and the man, whose name was Freeman, was found guilty, but was only jailed for one day, and after... Four I'm sorry, what? And then four... So keep in mind, this is 1936, um, and I mean, so yeah, so she told her brother, who told the rest of her family... He was in jail for a day. Four days after his release, he was murdered. Um, so they believe that. It's like, people say that her uncles did it. Oh. I killed him. Um, and it, because of this, Angela became mute for almost five years. Because she said, I thought my voice killed him. I killed that man because I told his name. And then I thought I would never speak again because my voice would kill anyone. Which is that's very powerful. Um, yeah, so during this time when she was, like, mute, she would, like, listen and observe things. And that's kind of how she developed her love for literature and all that. So obviously this is a very impactful thing that is happening to her when she's eight and mute till she's... 12, 13. Um, shortly after this, Angela was sent back to live with her grandmother, um, where she was introduced to the works of authors like Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, all that, as well as black female artists. So she moved back to her mother when she was 14. Um, and when she was 17, she gave birth to a son named Clyde, who changed his name to Guy Johnson. Okay, so in 1951, she married a Greek electrician, which was, like, crazy because that's an interracial relationship, right? Mm -hmm. um, she, like, met a bunch of dancers at the time, singers, 
um, all that. So she moved to New York to learn how to, like, dance better. And um, she became, like, a nightclub act, like Miss Calypso. Amazing. 1957 is her album. Um, she went by the name Rita, because remember her name's Marguerite. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she changed her name to Maya, um, Maya Angelou, because it's her former, um, married surname, because she married Tosh, if it's Greek, would you say, like, Angelos? I think so. Um, yeah, so, they did that, um... So then she, like, put out this album. She sang and was this, like, big nightclub act. She was uh, very um, active in Harlem. She met, like, a bunch of uh, cool authors when she lived out in Harlem and really uh, cemented her views with, um, like, anti-apartheid activism so that's when she ended up being a journalist and going to um, Africa to cover um, decolonization, right? Mm-hmm. So she's getting very involved in activism now. She like is friends with James Baldwin, which is a really, really big deal. Um, in 1968, Martin Luther King asked her to organize a march. Um, and then she... Still is friends with James Baldwin and Malcolm X. So, like, what's cool about Maya Angelou is, I guess, like, I knew she wrote and she did so many amazing things with her writing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea she was just involved in the civil rights movement in the yeah. United States. It's That's so awesome to hear about. Um, and James Baldwin was actually, like, crucial to her publication of her first autobiography. Um, So, yeah, she has a bunch of um, autobiographies, which are, like, a lot of people say they're kind of, like, like, they're based off of truth, but, Mm -hmm. like, change a little bit what autobiographies aren't, for real. (laughs) Um, But, like, there's, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, that was published in... uh, 1969, and her other ones are Gathered Together in My Name and The Heart of a Woman. There's a few more. Um, There's also her poetry, which is, oh, man, such a wonderful, wonderful poet. Um, I just, I love her poems so much. Her first volume of poetry was is called "Just Give Me a Cool Drink of Water Before I Die," um, and then she then what the copy that I have is the complete collected poems of Maya Angelou. It's awesome. I cry every every time. Um, but she is she's received like. 50 plus honorary degrees, dozens of awards. She, like, has read poetry at um, 
presidential inaugurations. She read um, on the Pulse of Morning her poem in 1993 at President Bill Clinton's inauguration. Um, she want, she spoke at rallies for Barack Obama. She's won Grammys for the recordings of her poems. Wow. Um, she has donated like a bunch of um, historical memorabilia to museums like correspondence with Coretta Scott King um, all sorts of stuff like that to museums she was a consultant for Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial in Washington D.C. and she actually didn't like like this quote that was paraphrased on it and so she actually said this quote makes Dr. Martin Luther King look like an arrogant twit <laughs> and eventually the paraphrase was removed <laughs> nice um yeah she's like i actually i i know what i'm talking about i know what i'm talking about i was friends with him like (laughs) let's be real um it's just a wonderful wonderful woman she (laughs) she going back to the earlier my earlier topic this ties in she was a sex worker she um uh just so wonderful she the way she can write about some of her traumatic experiences to tell like because she wants to just tell the truth about her life is so admirable and um she talks a lot about telling the truth and how she like has no skeletons in her closet she says i have no skeletons in my closet in fact, I have no closet. She's just so open about her life. She um, just so open about her experiences. Such a strong woman. Um, done a bunch of stuff in like the lecture circuits before she died. Oh my god, I would have killed to see her. <laughs> um, she's directed plays based off of her works. She has a bunch of specials on PBS. Literally, if you do not know Maya Angelou, like, you need to just, like, watch an interview with her or just read, like, one poem because she is wonderful. She Her poetry, like, makes me feel valid as, like, a woman. It makes me feel very powerful and capable. Um, she died... Um, May 28th, 2014, she was in, like, declining health, um, so when her nurse found her, they just, yeah, it it, wasn't, like, a surprise. Yeah, um, I mean, she was, what, 28, 14? I mean, she, she, this is the math episode. She was 86. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah I was, like, she, close to 90, I think. Yeah, she just... The yeah. way she writes and all of the... The shit that she had been through and all of um, her experiences. She's just so honest and powerful and just so much, like... I mean, she was alive for 86 years, but it's just, like, how do you fit that much in your life? Like, she yeah. did so many wonderful things, and I 
I'm like speechless just <laughs> thinking about like how wonderful and how much of an impact she has had on me um just by like through her readings and she like some of her books have been like censored and stuff in schools because oh. I know just goes to show how powerful her writing is yeah that sure. people get scared of it um yeah that's awesome that's what I have I feel like I I'm just so in awe of her yeah. just, like, trying to discuss, like, these amazing things that she's done in just, like, one sentence and keep it under 10 hours. <laughs> so impossible. Kaylee will be doing the uh, non... Oh, I will be doing the late night <laughs> continuation <laughs> of this podcast from La Crosse, Wisconsin this week. Okay. Uh, well, since this is a little bit of a deeper episode, mm-hmm. a little bit less, like, peppy, do you want to, like, s- say something good that happened to you this week or something you're excited for? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I know what you're so excited for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a very, very deep episode. I know we usually try to be positive, but I mean, when you have a podcast that... Sometimes you gotta dress stuff. Yeah, yeah. addresses like some hard issues. You gotta get a little deeper. With that being said, oh, I do want to say something. Um, on the last episode, I said when we were talking about the pronouns that Courtney has at the end of her email, I said that's cute, and I didn't mean to say that's cute. Like, oh, that's such a cute thing. <laughs> I meant like. That fucking rocks. That's, like, a necessary thing. That's a good thing. That yeah. normalizes being trans. And that I really appreciate that, Courtney. I just, like, when I was listening to it, just, like, reviewing everything, I was just like, oh, I say that in just, like, this way that's, like, oh, <laughs> so yeah. sweet. And, like, no, that's very good. So yeah. I just wanted to clarify okay. that before I get into what I'm so excited about this weekend Um, in, like, an hour, I'm gonna get on the road to go to La Crosse, Wisconsin for Oktoberfest. Oh, uh, that's exciting. I'm so excited. I'm meeting Asher's parents for the first time. I'm I'm actually like not super nervous. I'm mostly excited because I know Asher has hyped me up to them so much. <laughs> It's like the first time ever that I'm not like scared shitless to meet a significant yeah. other's parents because I actually know like I'm a good person, <laughs> and if they don't like me, like, yeah, I like my I like myself. So if you don't like me, I'm a lot of fun. Nice. And this is the outfit I'm wearing. I'm maximizing my Duluth Jeez. aesthetic. She's got a flannel on, obviously. Duluth Trading Company pants, wool and wool socks. So it's only sixty degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, another good thing that happened to me this week, I set a bunch of live traps for my mammalogy class. Nice. And I caught a short-tailed shrew and five deer mice. Nice. Mm-hmm. And my plants. The yeah. plants are not... Well, no, I released them. It was just for the specimen collection. I just oh. had to take some measurements. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotta say, short-tailed shrews have venom in their saliva. Did you know that? I, I don't know anything about yeah. The more you know, you oh learn about shrews and intersectional feminism on this podcast. Oh, my God. I got you. Also, I found a very cool uh, wildlife research center close to my parents' house. 
So I'm excited to tour it and Ooh. maybe try to get a job at it. Nice. Awesome. I love life. As much as it sounds like I don't sometimes <laughs> want to do this podcast. Kaylee's in a good place right now. Oh, yes! <laughs> I am. I am. Sometimes I just have to take it down a notch to <laughs> talk about hard-hitting issues. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. Um, What's your good thing? I don't know. Um, I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. Ooh. So that's fun. You go to so many fucking I've not. Okay. I've literally. You go to so many. I, I haven't. Until. I one in the past four years. Until this summer. Because this will be my third wedding, like, this season. But before this year, I think the last wedding I went to, I was, like, the flower girl in. Okay. So, like, I think, I guess it's just, like, where I am in my life Mm -hmm. and where the people that I associate with are in their lives. But, yeah, I'm really excited uh, for that. That's Avery's wedding. That'll be tomorrow. So, I'm excited for that. Um, And I'm excited to... I've had a really busy week, so I'm excited to not have a busy weekend I guess like the wedding will be fun and then Sunday I don't have anything planned and then today's like the first day that I've like had time to sleep in and not really have too many commitments because this whole week I've been going like non-stop like Tuesday I worked at 6 30 in the morning and I had class all day and then I worked till midnight that night and then oh Wednesday I had internships all day and then I worked until nine thirty that night. Where's your internship? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> My internship is at the Richard I. Bong Veterans Historical Center, Kaylee. Yeah. The Dick Bong Museum. The Dick Bong Museum. I love the museum, and Brianna, if you're listening. I love my internship. <laughs> I love your internship too, Chris. <laughs> but yeah. Um and my inter- yeah, I've been doing cool stuff in my internship too, so that's neat. Life rocks. Life is pretty okay right now. Life rocks. <laughs> and this podcast is the icing on the cake Yay. to a wonderful life. Also, my eyelashes look awesome, which yeah, was, that really was a do. nice two hour nap as Andy did my eyelashes. <laughs> that's wonderful. So, yes. Yeah. Our, we do love doing this podcast so much, and we love all of you who listen. And if you love us and you want, stickers please still come find me we have, I have a few left i still have a, no- a good bit left also if you love this podcast can you rate review and subscribe us mm-hmm. to us yeah um it really helps us out so we can kind of have a more accurate idea of who's listening mm-hmm. and also if you're rating and reviewing and subscribing that puts us maybe even on some chart somewhere mm-hmm. um which means that more people will find us i know i can see our stats uh, a little bit from like who's listening and what are they listening on mm-hmm. I can see you people um, <laughs> but we have listeners on four of the seven continents right now which is nuts. which is insane we have listeners out of Duluth Minnesota like <laughs> like we like I was like when we started this I pretty much thought it would be a couple people in Duluth and a couple people maybe in the cities yeah just like our friends yeah, supporting like our friends, us which is wonderful which is awesome and I'm so glad that we have so many friends supporting us and it's also equally cool that we have people supporting us from Europe and Asia mm-hmm. and yeah. People have come up to me and like asked me about the podcast. Mm-hmm. People have people who like I thought 
didn't like me that much have been like, <laughs> I listen to your podcast and I love it. And I'm like, what? what? Wow, that's amazing. So like, rate, review, all that. Yeah. Subscribe. We love you so much. And we're so happy that you like us. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. We awesome. hope you have a good week and you learned something today. Don't forget to call Andy. Yes. And book okay. an appointment or go um, to theorganicescape.com and get your sample with the mindful promo code. Yeah. And again, her number is 218-461-7792. Call her, text her, be like, yo, tint my brows. Yeah, I really Extend my that. eyelashes. She's really, really awesome. Um, and you get 10% off when you mention the podcast, which is even better. So, yeah. Okay, well, that's about an hour, so we should probably kick it. Yes, I need to go pack for lacrosse. For LaCroix, Wisconsin. LaCroix. Oh, no! (laughs) Uh, We love you guys so much. We will see you later. Bye. Bye.